Good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you're listening to our podcast. Welcome to Grace Healing. My name is Andreas Ulig, and I have with me as every week, Mr. Larry Reynolds. How are you doing, Larry? Wonderful. Good. Well, we just had a little chat before we got on, and we decided we were wanting to talk about attributes, attributes of God, or first attributes in general. Um, you know, this was triggered in me because I'm listening to a podcast that is talking about leadership in a human environment mm-hmm. and what attributes are important and, you know, which ones should be more prevalent in given situations, empathy yep. and a- attributes like this. But we'd like to bring this over to God's attributes and what does attribute, what is an attribute actually and you know just by definition it's a quality or a feature uh, as a characteristic or inherent part of someone or something so we're coming back to the topic of you know we're measuring things with an attribute and Mm -hmm. weigh it against other attributes but i'd like to start off and read something that john p milton wrote which i think ties in nicely with that john p milton is a pioneering ecologist he's a spiritual teacher meditation master and he is a vision quest leader and did many things since 1950 and uh, he is working towards a realization of source awareness and he wrote the following text and i'll read it even before i could speak I remember crawling through blueberry patches in the wild meadows on our hillsides. I quickly discovered nature was filled with spirit. I never saw any separation between spirit and nature. Much later, I discovered our culture taught there was supposed to be some kind of separation, that God, spirit, and nature were supposed to be divided and different. However, at my early age, it seemed absolutely obvious that the church of the earth was the greatest church of all, that the temple of the forest was the supreme temple. When I went to the sanctuary of the mountain, I found earth's natural altar, great spirit's real shrine. Years later, I discovered that this path of going into nature, bonding deeply with it, and seeing spirit within nature, God, goddess, and great spirit, was humanity's most ancient, most primordial path of spiritual cultivation and realization. I think this text, to me, it really addresses that we can see attributes from very different aspects. You know, we can see the separateness in everything, or we can see the oneness in everything, like John P. Milton mentions it here. So, you know, question to you, Larry, attributes as a measuring, I'm calling it a measuring stick, how important is it in our life that we measure everything with and highlighting certain attributes of things around us? I, I would say that realistically, every single word we choose within the English language is basically a pointer to either move toward 
that of a lesser attribute or toward that of a greater attribute. And if we look to God, we get the definitions of the greater attributes. If we look into the world and also spiritual influence, we get the lesser attributes. So like you mentioned at the beginning, I think the importance of understanding what leadership characteristics needed to be present um, in a corporate management role or whatever people do within their lives through corporate or work or whatever they're doing. And, you know, there are attributes that show up in many managers or leaders that are totally inappropriate, but they think they've only gained their success within that company through governing their people through anger or governing their people through fear or shaming them into a result. Those are the lesser of the attributes. But if we look at the like benevolent type of attributes that God would have, it's like mankind has even lost its oneness within that benevolence. It, it, it's the oneness within dominion. They don't understand what dominion is. Many people think of themselves as holding dominion over something as to dominate instead of dominion over something like God would be, which was be like a loving king over a kingdom that provides a safe ground for people to increase in their abilities, talents, and skills to feed the kingdom. He's not there to consume them. He's not there to oppress them. That would be dominion in the positive side instead of dominance in the negative side. And as we're going through so much right now, you, you know, and we had a beautiful meditation on Wednesday night uh, of what's unfolding in the nation. We have to become more vigilant in looking at the situation through first God's attributes instead of what the attributes are evidencing to us in the earth whether it's a tearing down, a manipulation, instruction, whatever, we can get so easily caught in that trap. And you know, from before the phone call, I mean, before the Zoom call, when we did the meditation, the dialogue was starting to move in a direction of doom around what was happening. And God just led me to just stop and just know where to move this to a place of centering upon what is right in this time. And then what can we pray as righteousness into this ground. And it just kind of shifted to the attributes of God, not the nature of what the earth was evidencing or the media was providing. And it turns out that most of what the media was providing is once again, 100% lies. You know, it's just it's so focusing upon God's presence is I believe the greater call there. You're on mute. It's in the human nature to react to certain attributes that come at us, right? So if we yes. see violence, or we see something that is not uh, aligned with our thinking, we react. And immediately to what I've witnessed in most people and within myself is there's a judgment that forms or a separateness that forms from what we see unfolding. Instead of gratitude, in God that is rising. And instead of going into judgment, I can't believe they're doing this, oh, this really ticks me off. It's gotta be thank you that this rises in such a way that all might see it. 
So if we embrace the thanks and gratitude that is present within God, we don't become part of the story that is the suffrage that's being evidenced. Which may be perceived by others as ignorant if you don't respond in the normal way. Right, because they expect you to pick up a gun and run and do all the different things you're going to do. But to me, I would rather follow what Yeshua said, that the work that we do is on the spiritual realm. And the more I engage in the lesser attributes, the more I'm going to fund them, the more I'm going to support that outcome. It's like, I mean, when is humanity going to wake up to the fact that the spirit of war has never brought peace? It is when people become exhausted by the experience of war, totally dispelled by what they thought what their original gain was, and then peace takes over. It wasn't because war peace happened. It was out of war, peace became the inevitable result because it just went like in World War II, you're seeing millions of people dying and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people dying on a beach. And it, it gets to the point where people are like, I've had enough of this. Not let's go further. It's I've had enough of this. And they start looking for a different pathway towards what they originally thought was only going to be achieved through war. So when they relented, released, and surrendered the concept of war and realized this ain't going to get it, we got to find an alternative, they started to search for measures of peace within the battleground. Then they found a piece of peace that they could take hold of, and then they found another piece that they could contract and agree upon and sign as a peace treaty because they were able to build off of the evidence of peace that was already present within the war mechanism, but war wasn't present to see it. The spirit of war was governing them in such a way that it would only perpetuate war. There was a time within the hearts of men and women that had to shift to not become war-centered, but to become peace-centered and move toward that and away from the perpetuation of suffering. Then those that were moving toward peace were awarded the ability to move in such a way that they had greater success in their actions, even some of the actions that people look at certain battlegrounds and wonder how, how did these guys even survive this? How did they come out of it? How did 100 guys go up against 10,000 make it? Or how did these people go up against 100,000 and survive? And, and then like Desmond Doss, the, um, the conscientious objector during World War II, he was running across the top of it because he would never pick up a gun, but he was in the war. And even the Japanese were confounded that every time they trained their rifle on him, their gun would jam. Anybody else, they could take him out. But he was living as an instrument of the divine in the midst of the spirit of war. And he prevailed in the nature of his being. That's interesting. And, and I could argue and say, well, you know, it is because of war that we find peace, that humanity maybe is in a state that they need that. I mean, look at it, a candle, the beauty of a candlelight, the real beauty of a candlelight, you can only see in the dark. So we could say we live in a polar world, so we can only see the light because there's dark. But there's a difference. The candle is consumptive lighting. 
it's consumed in order to produce light. God is light without consumption. There's a difference between the two. God is the living light that does not need the fuel to burn, for God is the very essence of the light. In a candle, it's a supposed view of living light, a reflective nature of what light is. It's not actual light. It, it, it's, it's the consumptive form of what light is. And then there's also a reality, and you and I have discussed this before, in the spiritual reality of what's unfolding in the human journey, yes, all things have a season and a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so the spirit of war rises from the order of principalities, rises from the spiritual realm, and it becomes evidenced. The reality is the spirit of war is still present within the, the order of principalities. The spirit of war is still governing the hearts of men. It's when we wake, <gasps> wait, we choose to embrace an attribute of God in its place. And that's where the shift, the blessing and the transference occurs. The, the order of principalities has lost power in the fact that the loving presence of God consumes, transmutes, and makes new the spirit of war into spirit of peace. So yes, all things hold, hold their season. In my personal calling, I am not led to embrace war. Early in my awakenings, I was. Let's throw the tanks at them, let's go get them. But I started to recognize that, wait a minute, the deeper we went into this trench, the deeper the trench got. And then there was no turning out of the trench because there was no exit point. So it, the reality is just, we have to take great care. Of what are we comparing the light to be? And well, we got to get through war to get to the light on the other end of the tunnel. And it's like, well, there may be an alternative, but man's reflexive reaction is to embrace war, to press his point instead of become increased in integrity to explain the motivations behind their ground. It's like if we looked at a UN meeting or any other international group meeting, it's just, it's mind boggling how much of a disconnect there is in societal understanding and language barrier because nobody's seeking God first. If they sought God first, they would have clear understanding of what the person is conveying and take less offense because they would understand societally what is governing them toward the hopeful expectation of whatever result they're pursuing. The challenge is they're going in there already bustled up, already going to, yeah, we're going to stand our ground. We're going to, nobody's defined their ground yet, but they're already committing that they're going to stand their ground which fosters a mindset of betrayal, isolation, separateness. They're not listening to me. I'm so ticked off. And they use the political extremes to force people to a place of inciting them, increasing them, moving them toward the realms of darkness in order to gain that hold upon the spirit of war to eventually become peace. Why not search more deeply to find the measure of peace first, listening actively upon those that are before us, both societally, language, whatever it happens to be, 
to really understand what's their motivation. It's not to take over the planet of the earth. What are they trying to protect in the fact that they called for this meeting? What are we doing that is somehow making them feel threatened by our actions in their presence? When we discover that, then we start to see those things that are eventually discovered in peace talks. It's when they're sitting there so beaten down and exhausted hearing that their grandson was lost or their husband or their wives or their friends or their brothers or their, they're so tired of death that they finally come to a place where they begin to listen. What we're trying to convey within grace healing is the opportunity to listen is at the beginning. And if you engaged it without offense, without judgment, without hostility, and without separateness, you'd begin to realize what people are truly trying to convey to one another. And they're not doing it to take from you. They're doing it to protect what they have from you. Hmm. And in that, then people would move to more compassion and they would center upon the living light of God presence, not the light that must consume in order to be sustained. If that makes so, sense. Yeah, it does. And in the, in the context of our discussion around attributes, really what it comes down to is that we take a more distance look, distant look at attributes that are presented to us through others. You know, that gap theory we are always talking about. Yes. Stop, see, oh, what is this person really saying? What's really thinking? What's really bothering them or what's moving in them? And then uh, react to it and let the, the God attribute to come in, which is that loving God presence yes. that we don't let in usually. And it requires divine perspective. Yes. And that, be, that can't be engaged from within self that can only be engaged by surrendering self, by dying unto self to search the nature and hearts of men and women before us, our brothers and sisters, even though they're from another bloodline or another, they're still spiritually our brothers and sisters. We need to become refined in the ability to look into what are they conveying? What's motivating their conveyance? Mm -hmm. What sort of godly attribute could be gifted back to them in lieu of what they're experiencing. How can I be a conveyance of truth, a conveyance of peace, a conveyance of light, instead of being Mr. Defensive, Mr. Judgment, Mr. Whatever, because like we're witnessing so many people right now, um, and I'll pick this from the other day on Wednesday when everything happened at the Capitol. Everybody was so angered and I was hearing from people, they were so disgusted with those Trump supporters, but then nobody was paying attention, but it was discovered within two days and up until the third day that it wasn't even Trump supporters. There was a separate group of men all garbed up in gas masks that came running by people and everybody else was still at the rally. They weren't even over there. So all the judgments fell flat, just like the spirit of war flat, fell flat. So everybody that was in judgment and just putting people down, da, 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 they were separating themselves from the divine into a place of judgment because they did not choose the oversight of the divine view. They weren't able to look through discernment 
They were only going through intellect of man and what they could gain from a media that was falsifying information because they wanted a certain political result. So the whole process about returning to the divine and gaining an oversight perspective of what's unfolding around us, above us, below us, and in all places is the key. And that can only be done by once again, dying unto self and then making a personal commitment in that gap moment, like you described, this situation just happened. I breathe. I choose the attribute of God here. Right now, I don't have knowledge. So I need to seek God in wisdom and discernment to measure what's unfolding. And not my reaction to it, but what does God desire of me now that I'm beginning to gain bits and pieces of knowledge and information that some of it's all media, some of it's all media. Oh, there's a measure of truth that's coming through a measure of discernment. And you allow God to form in you the portions of knowledge, the portions of understanding that do align with his nature and his attributes and what God is revealing. Then, like we did Wednesday, we choose the opportunity to speak the attributes of God. So if we see um, a disingenuous nature or we see manipulation, we offer thanksgiving, that holy clarity, integrity, and order enter in. So we speak the living attributes of God into these situations we witness because we know God is already the blessed result of God's attributes engaged within that process. You said something before, what God desires of us. Does God have desires? Um, I, I would say that desires is probably not the right word, but what God has available for us to engage within. Because God is already the blessed result. God is not in any measure of suffering we're witnessing, but God is able to witness what we allow ourselves to experience. So God is already the blessed result within creation. And I don't want to go too deep on that because it, it becomes very... It could, be a, it, could be a it could be a discussion we will do yeah. that separately, yeah. right? But Exactly. It's, it's pretty powerful when you start to recognize the nature of humanity happening in a single, single breath of divinity. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But uh, this was triggered by me reading, you know, I looked at a list of God attributes on the internet, you can Google it. And there's one thing that says holiness of God, God is set apart from his creation. That triggered my thought, you know, God I, is... Yeah, and that right there, to me, in discernment, I hear that's not a truth. Mm-hmm. God does not set himself apart from creation. God's very presence is entwined within creation, for creation could not sustain without his presence entwined within it. It comes back to the importance of breath. There's many people that talk about meditation, the art of meditation, or pulling down the heavens when they breathe and they draw in, they choose in their qigong and their movements and their bodies or whatever. And they're recognizing pulling in air. In my understanding of creation, that's not the way it works. And don't get caught with chakras and the separation of its segments within the body, because it's another form of separateness. 
allow it to be a tool, but don't let it to be the definition. So when I understand the breath to rise, I am welcoming in the oneness of that is which is God within me. I'm not reaching up to pull the heavens down. The heavens reside within. When I breathe, I know that the very living presence of God precedes the very cell of every cell within my body. So if there's trillions of cells, like science says, there's trillions of cells within my body. Each of those cells, God's presence precedes and rises from the core within. God's presence is the living breath that stirs life within each cell. And then each cell manifests life within the body. Then the body goes, oh, I need to breathe in order to sustain this body. Life precedes desire for breath. And to me, that's proof that God is not separate from his creation. For life cannot sustain without God's presence near. So if life is sustaining in a cellular form or cellular stacked up in the manner that produces a human or stacked up in a manner that produces a tree or stacked up in the manner that produces a dog, cat or raccoon or moose or whatever it happens to be, the living presence of God must be there in order for those cells to know life within them. For God is not separate from that which is life. Life must be sustained by God's presence near. So to me, when they talk about God setting himself apart, I honestly, I have to say, I, I don't, I can't agree with that. Something within me from discernment says, well, nope, that's one of those ones that I'll just set aside because it doesn't align with the nature and attribute of God in oneness because God's attribute of oneness does not fit with that descriptive of them being separate. If that makes sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. That kind of summarizes it. It tells me that maybe we should not emphasize attributes so much, you know, in each other, or even think about what is God's attribute. We just find that single point of God's love and presence within well, we us. What we were saying at the beginning, and I, I was sharing that, allow them to be pointers, but don't become imprisoned by them. Mm -hmm. It's like when people measure the idea or concept of chakra or Dantian um, from the Chinese model or the acupressure points that go through acupuncture or the different attributes of how to discover segments within the body. If I truly understand the nature of God's presence preceding every one of my cells, and I become practiced in the ability to reach to God's presence before the formation of my cells, join with God's image of my cells, I become God's evidence within my body, not what the world is trying to tell me through sickness or whatever. I've been surrounded with a bunch of people that have had colds and flus over the last like two weeks, really nasty cold, not any of the COVID stuff, but they, they, you know, they all went and got tested because they were so filled with fear. And it, I was like, well, th there are there other viruses out there. there are, there's other types of sickness that you can get. And I could feel certain aspects rising in my body that was making me think, oh, I could go down that path. And I was like, no, because I know that the cold and flu emerge from the spirit of resistance. So the attribute of decrease or sickness 
or dis-ease that was present to rise within me, I was able to sit with God's presence, breathe, and release spiritual resistance, which I found there was resistance to a certain process that I was doing in my building company and a certain process that I was dealing with in the relationship that James, had, my son James has with his school. And so, so I was finding resistance present within me. So I had to release spiritual resistance. Then as the people engaged with me, both business-wise and in the schooling and different situations, I was able to sit and be present and listen. What's motivating them? What's moving them? I was no longer resistant to what I didn't know that they were going to say. I was poised and readied for what they were going to reveal to me in the hopes to move them more toward God and away from the fear that was governing their actions. And all processes succeeded. And I did not get knocked back with this cold. I did not get knocked back with that flu. And I did not get knocked back with the business situation that was encountered. And I did not get knocked back with the situation that was in the administration of the institution of the schooling environment. So by centering first upon the living presence of God that is not separate from me, but is present within me, I was able to move and navigate through these situations in a godly manifested nature and attributes. And I think the word you're looking for would be nature, which we mm -hmm. combine all attributes as one instead of separateness. But there is a reality that we are walking this human world and having the knowledge and awareness of the difference of attributes. Like when you have, um, anger or forgiveness and you have separation or you have unity there are differences in attributes so when somebody comes up before you and they're constantly speaking tearing down ripping people apart and talking about separateness you know by the attribute and its revelation i'm not going there what can we do to move this to a place of more unity what can we do to work together to help people understand what you're feeling. What's your recommendation? What's your recommendation to, to do that? I think that's key, you know, that we do recognize those attributes that we don't want. So is there like a, a simple recipe that we can give our listeners to yes. say, okay, how do I recognize the attributes that I don't want and replace them with God's presence? Honestly, that's a real challenging one. Because as you and I have just witnessed in a list that we just shared, there are so many religious understandings that attach attributes to God that are not godly attributes. Like that one, they attached separateness to God. I don't agree. They attached God's war, a godly war. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't agree. That's, that's not my God. The wrath of God. And I know that's going to raise up some words for those that listen to the video. There's some people that will be offended by the fact that I say that God does not have wrath. God is love, pure love. Therefore, those who are wronged, drawn before the presence of God, can only know correction. They can only know transmutation into a blessed form. They don't have to be beaten down, spanked, slapped, or corporally moved back into a place of reckoning. In the mere presence of God, 
you just know it's not something you have to search it's not something you have to be taught and there need not be a slap across the face there can be just a loving awareness <laughs> but since certain religious bodies only teach corporately or corporal instruction they can only see it from a construct that we got to slap these people around they need to be smacked. They need to be done. They need to be waking up. They need it. And they go into this. And so in all humility, I may be completely wrong. And God, the day that I stand before the presence of God, he'll probably chuckle and, oh, Larry, that foolish idea of me loving all things. You just, <laughs> you just really missed it. But in my heart, I would much rather walk this existence within humanity knowing my God to be pure love, capital L, capital O, capital V, capital E. Not the love I learned through many years of abuse in my youth that came with instability, that came with alcoholism, all these different things. I'm talking about the love that precedes all manifestations of creation. Love that even what you witness in animals for crying out loud, when they're taking in and they're drawing these animals close, you find a cat that adopts a bunch of birds that are feeding off them. I mean, it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> you see these things or you see a cat that would normally be chasing mice down and there's a bunch of mice suckling at her teeth. You know, it's like, well, there is love that comes without expectation of return. And, if we embrace that reality, there's a greater power of God's grace within it. So when we come back to what do we do each day? What do we do in, in, in a simple measure of steps? You and I have shared it a thousand times within these videos. We embrace first God within the gap moment. We have something that rises before us. We choose consciously, willfully, and I will say that word, willfully, we choose God in that moment and we breathe. We look at the situation and we honestly can see if we're not so veiled, we can see, Ooh, this one, what that person is saying is kind of moving me more towards that of darkness. Or, you know, what that person is saying is really moving me toward the light. This is where it needs to be very, I mean, you need to take great care because our religious instruction can fool us to think an attribute of darkness is an attribute of light. So that goes back to the refining statement of what we said about the light. Is this a light that is consumptive in form or is this truly the light of God's presence? For the light of God's presence comes without consumption. So yeah, I realize there's, a, there's another tier to this because we're moving people that have awakened to this understanding to a broader understanding, a more deepened awareness of God's presence. So there needs to be deeper instruction. It's not just a quick glance, look away. Sometimes you will need the meditative moment to go into it three breaths, seven breaths, maybe 21 different breaths that you choose into you in order to touch the nature of God that does not align with what people are telling you is godly. And that's where I would say would be the greatest concern in this whole discussion that we just had. Please, honestly, take great 
care to measure what you've been taught to believe as holy attributes of God and honestly look at them and say, does God really want me smacked and beaten down? Does God really want me judged? Is God like this big omnipresent power that sits there with a magnifying glass holding it over the sun saying, I'm going to just heat this little bugger up today and I'm going to make his life miserable? No. God is the presence of life within us. Life is there to manifest. It cannot manifest if we choose the lesser attributes. We will choose the opposite of life. We will choose manifestation of death in our actions. We will bring death to our relationships. We will bring death to our bodies through disease. We will bring death to our bodies through the passing of this physical form earlier than it should be because we will embrace lesser attributes and the lesser nature. Yeah. And, you know, I can share from my personal experience over the last four or five years in my journey that I can bring it down to just one thing. And that's seek God first. That really helped me, you know, go within, seek God first. It's as simple as that. And I want to tell all the listeners to, when you listen to these instructions and this discussion, I recommend that you listen to it again and again, it's amazing to me sometimes how things come out and you hear it differently second or third or fourth time you listen to it there's always some kind of a message that may resonate with you not now but maybe in two or three months uh, that well that 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 reminds me of the editors for uh the book a covenant in love that we have available free on the website the editors the first i think it was the first three now the first one was clear and she was focused but the next three editors that reviewed the book called up in tears because they couldn't understand why as professional editors, they could not edit the book. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? She's like, well, a couple of them. As you got to a certain point, I'd look at something and I'd understand something and then I'd have to go, oh, well, if that's right, I need to go back and edit this. And they would go back to a certain page and all the words were different. But as a professional, it was confounding to them that the words were different because they should have been able to remember everything, but the words were different and they couldn't get their heads wrapped around it. But it's because of the progressive awareness that happened through the covenant in love that they gained this deeper awareness. The words they returned to were deeper, more powerful to them, more impactful, and even were structured differently in their mind. And they were like, oh my God. So when they called up in tears, I said, I warned you that if you're going to be editing the book, you needed to engage in prayer first because it's not a normal book. It is a stream of consciousness writing that came forward in seven days, not by my own choice. It was just, it poured through me. And there were people that were touched just by, I mean, healed just by touching the book. And so different experiences like that. So to me, I've, I've looked at this process and just been in awe of how God can move through these settings and these situations. And if we can honestly, truthfully surrender ourselves to seek God first, even in these videos, you said to watch these videos more than once. I would say to people, center yourself first upon God, not the video. As you approach the video, as you approach the book, as you approach our website, I would ask you, please approach God first then center yourself upon the instruction. If you go to YouTube and watch other podcasts or TVs or videos or whatever, please, God first. And if you get anything that we're off on, 
please reach out to us, message me, message Andreas, message Ina Marie, message Deb, any one of us, just reach out to us and say, I'm not sure I really understand what you said about this point. Because yep, we're in hope to seek God first, we can also be corrected mm -hmm. that we're kind of like missing the mark on something. So the central place to go is gracehealing.org, our website, you find phone numbers, emails there. Um, you can also go directly to the book, The Covenant in Love, by doing gracehealing.org slash book. And uh, you can download it for free. It's a PDF. We have gracehealing.org slash meditation for our meditation prayer time. We do 20 to 30 minutes every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. You can register there and you receive an email uh, in a timely fashion to join us there. So that's it for today, Larry. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and, and listening. And Better we'll be enjoy. back uh, next week. Wonderful. Have a great week. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye. Yeah.